The Michael Hatfield Remax team presents Real Estate and More. Bay Area real estate is different than in all of America. And why? What's up with home buyers? What's on sellers' minds? How is the market? And much, much more. Now, here's your host, Michael Hatfield. Good morning. My special guest today is a man who I've known and respected for many decades, prominent in our community. He has come from humble beginnings and through considerable hard work and a whole lot of talent, has created several successful businesses. His first business was popular in the 1970s and 1980s. Marty and his brother were the proprietors of the sawmill. Through investing in commercial real estate, he now holds ownership interest in many well-kept and attractive office buildings and for moments when he has slack time he devotes it to his first love his girls grandchildren and oh yes arabian horses extend a warm welcome to the founder and some of us have still have their furniture the sawmill founder of sherman properties and owner of the sherman arabian horse ranch my handsome good friend marty sherman good morning marty Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's really appreciated. Uh, it's it's my 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 pleasure. Marty, we've been acquainted for an awful long time, a lot of years. And one of my observations with you is that when you greet people, you have this unbelievable uh, way of making that person believe that they're the only person in the world. You listen with interest, with, with a smile on your face, and I have to tell you, um, I've observed that, and I actually have copied it a few times, trying to uh, get that talent going too. Would you say that that has contributed to your success over the number of years of business as well as other? I, well, first off, thank you so much for the compliment. Uh, I just like people. I just like people, and if I'm on the sidewalk and walk by somebody, I smile and say hello. Uh, it's just it's just me because people are the answer to everything. Even if you don't like them, you still smile at them. If I don't like them, I don't walk on that sidewalk. <laughs> Well, many of us today still have that awesome sawmill furniture in our homes, that solid oak furniture. And I still have the solid oak sawmill desk that I bought back in, what was it, the 1980s? Uh, dates me a little bit. How did you ever get started in the furniture business? Uh, my dad, uh, my family, my mom and my dad were in the wholesale beauty and barbershop supply business and it was a dog business they worked so hard uh, and somehow when I started working there when I was 17 I just thought hey th my parents are really something to do this and put up with everything that they put up with uh, with slim margins etc and uh, my dad passed away early on and my mom said to me and my brother boys don't let this business do to you what it did to your dad and uh, so it wasn't too long before we changed our our direction 
So did your whole family work alongside you back then as they do today? I mean, was it towards the later years of the sawmill when you recognized that, uh, hey, family is so incredibly important and to be able to work alongside your family, trust what they do, it was just so important. Uh, did, did you recognize that? And, and then when you developed the um, desire to own the commercial buildings that it, you transferred that work ethic of your family to buying commercial buildings? Well, when I was I was very young when when my dad passed, I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, I just had so much respect for my parents because they worked together. My mom took care of the books. Uh, my my dad uh, would wait on customers, etc. And uh, I just came, and I was young, seventeen, eighteen, somewhere in there, maybe even a little younger. And I saw the stress that my folks went went through. Uh, I'm not going to say that they didn't make a reasonable living because they did just fine. They raised me, my sister, and my younger brother, Ronnie. And uh, my mom said, I remember her very distinctly, Marty, don't let this business do to you what it did to Dad. And... Uh, and I could see that. I, I, I could see the different things happening day after day. So my brother and I just decided to go a different course. That's the bottom line. And there there became the sawmill. And I think you had like five locations at the time. Seemed like there were five uh, that I recall back from doing business uh, back in the day. We originally started in the, in the same building in Oakland that our folks had their business in. It was a waning business. It was a wholesale beauty and barbershop supply business, which there isn't a business like that anymore. They used to sell beauty and barbershop equipment and supplies. And uh, we knew the owner of the building. And when we sold out the merchandise from, from, uh, from the beauty supply business, we just stayed there and we we started in the furniture. There it goes. Business. Now, I recall when we were both much younger, uh, seeing you on television, riding this beautiful Arabian, I think his name was George. Would you credit George for making you popular or would you credit you for making George the Arabian popular? <laughs> I think that horse today is probably much more popular than I am or was. Uh, I, I, I mean, it was dominant because everybody remembered that horse. I'll give you a quick story how that ha how that happened. Uh, I, we had a guy doing some television work for us, and uh, we were up in the Oakland Hills uh, doing doing a film with some furniture in the picture. And a little young girl, a young, young, young little girl came up to me and she said, Mr. Could you, could you use my horse? Could you use him in your commercial? And I said, where's your horse, honey? And we, we were up in the Oakland Hills at, and uh, she, I told her, go get your horse. She told me it was there in a stall somewhere. I said, well, go get your horse and we'll put him in the commercial. We wound up with a horse in the commercial, a donkey in the commercial, and some uh, uh, goats and uh, just different animals. And, and that horse thing just stuck. It was either the horse or the little girl that stuck, but it stuck. And it just became 
the way we presented ourselves. Uh, you know, I've heard the Arabians um, are quite a breed. They were the preferred horse of George Washington, Alexander the Great, and Napoleon Bonaparte. Apparently, this breed impressed even the top historical figures. And I guess it's been around since, what, 4,500 years or so? I think it's the first breed there was. Yeah. I think it's the first breed there was. Uh-huh. And the Bedouin tribe was the actual responsible party for bringing the uh, the Arabian into existence and making them to where that they would cooperate with man. That was one of their, their main things is to get a horse that would cooperate instead of throwing you off and running you under a tree and knocking you off, right? The Bedouins <laughs> saw the horse as their unquestionably their very best friend. It was extremely important uh, to those folks. And uh, still today, it, it's, you know, it, it's their pride and joy. And uh, so, it, yeah, it, it came from the Arabian, yeah. Wow. Well, we are talking with um, the, one of the most uh, um, known and prominent uh, horse breeders and uh, in the the area with Sherman uh, Ranch. This is Marty Sherman. And I got a couple more questions on these horses before we start talking a little bit about real estate. You know, different breeds are known for different traits and like thoroughbreds are known for athletic ability and uh, agility in racing. While some traits that you recognize in the Arabian breed, you don't really rope and ride uh, cowboy compete on Arabian, do you? Uh, well, some people do. That's not what we do. There's a few little things about an Arabian horse that uh, come from their their original upbringing. Number one, they have longer eyelashes than the other horses do. Not not to where you could see it. You have to understand it. But that that was to keep the dust out of their eyes out in the Arabian desert. Wow. Uh, and they have one less vertebrae than the other horse breeds do. I didn't know so that. they're a little shorter backed, which makes them a, a, a little tougher to an extent. Uh, but every horse uh, of any breed has its own characteristics, and that's why they wind up doing what they're doing. The Arabian horse is predominantly uh, a pleasure horse today and and it's showing in all kinds of different different ways you know by all kinds of different people and uh, so what we do may be different than what other people do uh, with with the Arabian horse because you can use them as a cow horse you can use them as a as a this or a buggy horse or you know anything uh but they're very uh they can do just about anything and uh the traits are are just amazing they have a a different face to them than than a a thoroughbred or or a quarter horse or any other horse that you would see they just have a a very different look to them and they're just so gorgeous and i i do believe that there's one uh color the the gray and the white color seems to be the predominant color that most people identify as an arabian horse now you said something before that was very interesting about all arabians when they're born about their color uh, well, they're they're 
pretty much all of them are born a brown color. Their coat is born as a brown color. And uh, a horse that is going to be uh, gray could be, we have horses right now that are five years old and haven't totally grayed out yet. Uh, It's something that happens over a period of time. Uh, And, you know, the significance of color is some people like some people like this, some people like that. Uh, the, the grays are, uh, the gray horses are not near as dominant as the, uh, you know, the bay or the grays or, or, or whatever. And they slowly gray out over a period of time. Well, they're sure beautiful. Yeah. You know, uh, occasionally um, uh, the Sherman Ranch puts on a uh, coming out of folds. And I remember going to one that you had just coming out of the the period of COVID. And there were like thousands of people out there to see these beautiful, beautiful uh, young horses that were very, very young. They were coming out. It was like a a debutante thing for for horses. It was incredible. And you had such a nice production. Your family had put that on so beautifully. Um, People were parked out there along the highway for miles it was just an unbelievable event that that your your ranch did and uh, i can see why you love these horses so much but we would just uh first off i'm not doing the work anymore i have two great daughters that are i won't tell you how old how old they are now i know (laughs) and and i have a, a couple of uh two two grandsons uh actually have three daughters i'm sorry and a, a granddaughter, and they're the ones that I'm busy with my with my other business, and my daughters are running the farm with along with my little granddaughter Peyton, that just turned 19, and uh, yeah, we throw a, a a big party, we we have a big lunch available for everybody and we do a baby shower we show the young new foals that maybe we've showed them like when they're three days old we just bring them out one at a time and uh yeah the people love it they're amazed because this most people don't get to see this kind of stuff and uh but it's it's fun, and we meet a lot of uh, really good folks, and uh, yeah, we do that. In fact, we're going to do it again this next year. I don't know exactly what the timeline Make will be. Make sure we know. Yeah. We'd love yeah. to show up because yeah. yeah. my daughters are running the show. I don't. I do not take. Uh, it's not me that's making things happen anymore in, in the horse. Uh, you know, I love it. And I spend a lot of time with my daughters. I go to the shows. We show all over the country. And my little granddaughter, Peyton, has she's an exceptional rider. And she's breaking the horses now. She's uh, we don't send them all out to a trainer. We Peyton, uh, she gets those horses going and uh sometimes we will send them out after they're up and going uh, uh, t- to show them uh but it's now the girls that are running the show 
I got you. You know, last season on the TV series Yellowstone, I think it was the last season, but I remember seeing this um, this episode where the beginning cowboy Jimmy was charged with collecting the sperm sample from a stallion. And the first time I'd ever done that, and um, he was under the auspices of a, of a lady a veterinarian that was putting the hammer on him a little bit. And boy, that was a funny scene. Is the collection of the male part of the breeding equation still done that? way or has it changed over the years oh it's dramatically changed over the years bring the the sire uh to the mayor and if the mayor's ready to breed the mayor will let it all happen if not uh you're going to be doing it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day until it that's a short version of how it works but things are completely different the uh how to, so Today, well, the horses, they don't see each other. We, we, uh, we check the mares to see if they're in, if it's time to breed them. And, you know, they're in a different barn than the, than the stallions are. And uh, when the mare is ready to breed, most of the semen now, most of the semen is, uh, you know, comes from somewhere else in the country. If we're not using our own stock, it, the semen comes from another part of the country overnight. And when it comes, you have to pick it up at the airport and it comes in a box and you breed the mare that afternoon. And if you've done everything right, you may not have to breed her again to get her so, so a lot of it is in the confidence of the people that you're working with on the other end that actually put the this the the box on yeah. on FedEx. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to have a lot of confidence in those people that that they're doing the right thing. If they, if if you didn't have confidence, you could get anything. You could end up with any type of horse, and well, that we, would be uh, that would be really a problem. Well, the people in our business, uh, everybody is very solid, and they um, know each other. Yeah, so we breed. We breed obviously to our own stallions, uh, but you you have to go outside uh, to make other things happen. So everybody, every horse that you might breed to will bring some a different something to the party, and uh, so that's uh, uh, that has a lot to do with our success because we breed to our own stallions. Uh, and we breed outside to other people's stallions from all over the country. Wow. And uh, uh, we've had we've had ph phenomenal success with that over the years and probably more so in the recent years uh, than in the past. But uh, it's Just fun and and it's it's fun and it's exhilarating and it gives you a great feeling of accomplishment. Well, that's certainly a great reason to uh, be in, in such a wonderful business as uh, Arabian Horses. You know, I know your brother, an amazing man, Ronnie. Um, he's your younger brother, you call him. Uh, he, he did not quite have the level of interest in horses that, that you do, though he loves animals. He raised them on a very large ranch, uh, which Nancy and I sold for him a couple years back. Uh, with horses, either you have to have that intense interest or you, you don't. So let's digress there 
or change gears a little bit, go into the commercial real estate thing. Uh, your first real business, I know that you had the building from the beauty supply, but your first real purchase of uh, a business was uh, in Oakland, I believe. It was the, the Lion Van and Moving uh, uh, location, several levels high. How did that happen, Marty? Well, we were in the old building that we had started in, and we'd been there. We'd been in business two years, approximately. And a couple of young real estate guys came to us, and they said, you need a better, you need more space, you need more this, you need more that. We've got a great building for you, and we want to show it to you. I told them, Ronnie and I told them, hey, guys, uh, they were young fellas that we knew from the real estate business and we said hey we 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 appreciate your thought but we have absolutely no money we're just trying to get this thing going and they hounded us they they were in our office every third day and they finally came in and 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 said well i'll introduce you to dr lyon who who was uh i'm trying to think he, he was a medical doctor. I can't remember what what he exactly did, but we'll introduce him to you. He wants to meet you. He's dealing with the next door neighbor, but the next door neighbor is chiseling on him and he just doesn't like those people. And you guys, he'd like you. So I want to introduce you. Can we can you meet us up at this building? So we met him up at this great big high six or seven story building in Oakland. It was a Lion Vantage storage building. It was 102 years old and uh, their family was completely gone and the building was sitting there empty. And he told us, he says, oh, well, very nice to meet you guys. And, and I think he asked, how old are you guys? And we told him and, and he said, well, I'll tell you my situation. Uh, my my mother is gone. She just died a little bit before that. And, you know, I, I'm older now. I don't have any purpose for this building. I want to find a buyer. And I said, we said to him, we just don't have any money. We, you know, uh, and he said, well, you know, we can work something out. And the real estate guy said, uh, let, let Mr. Lyon work something out. So... Uh, we wound up buying that building, and uh, we didn't we didn't give them any cash down. Uh, we had to do some remodeling to the building, which we have a lot of friends that came and helped, and uh, so we wound up in this big six or seven story building in Oakland that was right on the freeway, right on the freeway, and. When we moved up there, maybe six months after that, after we had the building in shape, it was an instant uh, success, and that's what started things for us. And and, and from there, uh, from there, uh, we wound up through a whole bunch of different means, uh, getting our hands on on a number of properties. My brother and I made up our minds we're not going to open a store if we can't get our hands on the real estate because we knew 20, 30 years downstream, uh, 
that it was really about the real estate, not about the business. Although we had a ball with the business and we loved the customers and we did extremely well, but we wound up with six buildings around the Bay Area and uh, uh, most of those we bought under some kind of circumstances where, where it was somebody that owned a business there and they were in the later years and uh, we built a building or two, uh, but we had six buildings all around the Bay Area. And yeah, you know, here's a personal uh, gem that I've seen. If we represent buyers of, of a home, of a house or of anything, and we can project to the seller that this is really a great buyer, quite often the seller really wants to put someone in that house or in that building that's going to do something with it. So that's part of the job of, of a good real estate agent is, you know, take the two young Sherman boys and put them into this building, even though they don't have any money. You know, the gentleman said, you know what? They'll make good use of this building. And in residential real estate, it's the same kind of thing. You know, if you can convince the seller that the buyers are uh, really great people and they're going to love that house, residential is, is going to be just absolutely wonderful. You know, to me, that's that's the golden lining. It's a fun thing to do. And if you can do it. And I want to just say that I've, I've been to a number of the Sherman Properties buildings around the Bay Area. They've always maintained them uh, very nicely done. Even during COVID, um, they didn't have a lot of issues with uh, people not tenants not paying the rent because people know that those buildings are well maintained. They have a responsive management team. You can use the term landlord, if you wish, uh, that take care of them. But I mean, you see them all, they have flowers up front and they're always nicely paved. And, you know, I had to um, uh, help Marty put his shoes back on because he got, uh, he's paving a lot in one of his buildings and he had uh, the shoes that got stuck coming in the door. So I had to help him can do it. So uh, I, I just have to appreciate someone that takes great care of their properties the way that the Sherman properties do. Well, we take we take the attitude that first off we don't want anything but nice property, good property, uh, a a good piece of ground that it's sitting on, and a good location. When we're hunting uh, property, uh, we we look for the location, uh, depending on what purpose we're looking for. Uh, we look for the location. We look for how solid is is the property. Uh, we don't really look at the immediate condition because we don't mind going in and doing a lot of things to upgrade the building. We only look at good stuff. We don't want any secondary stuff. And you, Michael, you uh, were involved in a sale that we made in in uh, Danville, California. Uh, uh, it it was once upon a time an old old residence. It was very old. We and we 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 bought that building, and then we brought it back to life. And you're the one that sold it. Uh, a great job, I might add. Uh, but we just had we just had a great time with that that building. Just we like to take things 
that that are kind of stuck in the mud and you and, do you yeah, do make such a wonderful job marty i i want to thank you so much for being on the show this morning and it's just been a great great morning talking with my good friend uh, mr marty sherman of sherman ranch and sherman properties hearing from a person who has made it from ground zero to success investing in commercial buildings as well as other businesses certainly has given us some important things to consider if you're interested in and leasing, call Ryan at Sherman Properties at 925-788-9698. That's 925-788-9698. And if you're interested in horses, like everyone it seems like, give a call to Jill Sherman at the Sherman Ranch at 925-216-6316. You're listening to Real Estate and More. We'll be right back in a moment with our next special guest. Stay tuned. 